ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my Purpose Girls. I have a juicy show for you today because we are talking about sacred sexuality. So I want to go back to when I was a little girl. And by little, I mean like five or six. Somewhere around five or six years old, I found my pussy. I realized that if I rubbed my pussy, not that I knew it was a pussy then, but if I rubbed a part of my body against my blankie, it felt really good. And I didn't think anything of it. Just, oh, this thing feels good. And so I would do it all the time. I remember even doing it in the living room as a little girl. I remember doing it at my grandmother's house as a little girl. And there was a point at which I somewhere along the way learned, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. Or at least I'm not supposed to do this in certain places. Which totally, we want to respect other people and... There absolutely are good lessons around what is our private time and private space. But I remember as I grew older and really enjoying rubbing myself and then starting to have sexual fantasies. I'm talking about like nine, 10 years old. I started having fantasies about being a dominatrix. I don't know where a 10-year-old learns about a dominatrix, but I'm guessing it was a past life. Fantasies that I was a man having sex with my secretary, who was a woman. I mean, I'm like letting it all out for you guys right now. And then I remember we went into fifth grade and it was going to be the sex ed class. And I couldn't wait. I was so excited. And I quickly learned that I was the only little girl of my friends who was excited. And then I quickly learned, we better not talk about this. And so somewhere along the way, I went from being a little girl who was very sexual to being a young woman who kept it all to herself. And there was shame in it. And I've come to learn that I'm not the only one who has shame in our sexuality, in our sensuality. And I'm thrilled that and proud that in my life I have done a number of things, right? Working with mentors, going through programs, reclaiming my sexuality, And it's so important. Like, I'm a totally different, happier, more alive, more purposeful, freer self doing so. And so I want that for you. And that's why I am so excited about my guest today. Because she is the perfect person for us to dive into sacred sexuality. And how to claim that for yourself. And release any trauma and shame around it. So let me introduce you to Devi Maisha. Devi Maisha is a Tantra and sacred sexuality teacher who specializes in showing women how to take their sex lives higher. 
to release your trauma and shame, create better relationships, and transform their lives, your life, into abundance and ecstasy through the use of sacred sexuality and sex magic. I cannot wait for this episode. Can you tell? She is a former certified personal trainer and nutrition coach who combines her knowledge and study in the areas of psychology, tantra, and sacred sexuality with her training in energy work to facilitate inner healing and better sex for her clients. Devi Maisha has studied Reiki, chakra healing, and life force energy healing, as well as active and shamanic tantra. Maisha, I am so excited that you are here. Welcome to the Purpose Girl podcast. Wow, thank you so much. The way you read that bio, I was like, ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> You're like, people tell me all the time when that? I, right, people tell me when I read their bios, I'm like, they're like, you made me sound so good. I'm like, it's the words you gave me. So girlfriend, just reflecting you right there. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am so excited too. I met you through the Women's Day event when someone, I was looking for more experts for my sensuality panel. Someone said, you have to get to know Devi Maisha. She's incredible. So really, I didn't know you at all and yeah. said, will you be on this panel? And then I come to find that we have both studied with Regina Tomashauer at the yeah. School of Womanly Arts and that we have like a million Facebook friends in common. And I fell in love with you that day. And that day I said to my husband, who's also my podcast editor, get her on the podcast. I want more. <laughs> so here we are. I'm honored. I'm thrilled. Thank you. Yeah, that was amazing, too. I remember when you posted it in the in the one of the sister goddess groups or something. And I was like, oh, wow, you're here. <laughs> right. Hey, you are. <laughs> it's amazing that we are in the same community and mm. which, by the way, is thousands of women around the world. And so it's just so good that, that we're in it. So sacred sexuality, can you first, how do we tell us what that is? Because people probably aren't used to hearing those two words together. No, no, they're not. And to me, sacred sexuality really is the understanding that our, our sexuality is a part of our spiritual nature. That mm. there's no separation between the the sex lustful, juicy part of who we are and our higher self, our 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 divine nature, the the clean portion, if you will. That it's all put together, and and that's who and what we are, and that all sex, whether it is in your beautiful long term relationship or a juicy, are we cursing on here? Yeah. Girl, okay, <laughs> or, a juicy, <laughs> or a juicy fucking one night stand. Mm. It can all be sacred. It's all sacred. It's about the intention and the energy that you put behind the activity. Mm. The intention that you put behind it. It's so beautiful. You just connected sex and juicy and one night stand with our highest divine selves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I remember, Maisha, being in, when I lived in New York, I went to a monthly moon circle, new moon circle. And when we entered into the month of Leo, right, August, the facilitator told us that the topic was going to be our sexuality. And so we began in, you know, breathing in and meditation and began sharing stories of the shame. And one woman shared 
that she, like, like me, I now know, like me, started masturbating at a very young age. And then she learned from her church, this is not okay. This is not sacred. And that story then was repeated by several women in the circle. And I'm sure you hear this all the time. People are not used to those two things being together, divine and sex. So tell us more. No, they're not. It's so funny. I just did a talk on this and I just did a huge rant on my stories. This this idea that that religion has placed in the minds of women. And I get why it is in my personal scholarly opinion to strip women of their power because our power is really in our pussy. It is right there. You know, and and when I say our power is in our pussy, I'm not referring to our ability to have sex and manipulate to get things. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, and and no shade to those who do that, but that's not what I'm referring to. There's a deeper power that exists within that space because it creates it. It's a portal. It's a portal from the spiritual realm to the physical realm. And when I hear stories of women who have been told that it is just wrong to touch your own body, but yet and still it's okay for someone else to touch your body, even though you have no knowledge of what you like or dislike, that just, it, it burns me. It like, there are a few things that just like piss me off that burns me. It burns me that you would take that from someone. And then women end up in, in these partnerships and marriages and they have, they don't know and their partners don't know. And they, and then the, the shame of it, why it didn't work out and they have no understanding. And then it's after that, that they come out and they say, oh my gosh. And they find out that they're the sexual person. <laughs> right. 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 But all the pain and the suffering. All the pain and the suffering. And I love that this burns you. Right. I love your passion around this. It needs to burn all of us because this is not okay. It's not. So let's dive deeper into our power being in our pussy. Because even that word, right? I mean, that word for a lot of you listening to this, even though you've heard me use that word before, might make you squirm and go, do I have to? Right. And it's like, yeah, you have to. We're reclaiming that word for ourselves. And so powerful. But even in the most spiritual conversations, books, people talk about your heart and their soul and not talking about our pussy. At all. <laughs> see, that, word, that word made me squirm up until working with Regina. Mm-hmm. During that whole entire time, I'm like, this woman keeps saying pussy. Because, <laughs> you know, why can't she use like a nicer word? Like, <laughs> That was that was like the vulgar, dirty, nasty. Like it did. I I cannot. I could probably count on one hand the number of times it came out of my mouth in my entire life. Before that, before that, maybe, I can't count out of my hands because right. I, no, my only time I would say zero. But before studying with her, probably the only time I ever used it was to say that we shouldn't say it. Yeah. And when I was right. little, like people would like the some of the girls around be like, you know, pussy cat. And we'd all like giggle. Right. You know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I felt so wrong. It felt so dirty to even say that. Right. Right. So yeah, right. it's just been in the past 
four years that I've been able to just like pussy, pussy, pussy. (laughs) Everyone try it. If you're in your car, you're in your home, wherever you are, let's try this together. Pussy, 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 pussy. pussy. Yes. Thank you. And you know what? If you're uncomfortable or it feels awkward, that means that it's actually right because you're actually touching on something that is a truth that you've been told is not a truth. I felt that all from my clitoris through my nipples. I can see it. You know, I I always tell you guys, I get to see my guests and I like love seeing the reaction. And this is so juicy and I'm getting so hot and it's so good. So I know why we use pussy. Will you share with everyone why we use pussy? And then let's get into why the pussy is so powerful. Why we use the word pussy or why we use it in general? (laughs) Well, first the word. First the word. I, I can I can I can speak for myself now. I just it has come to signify to me the best way to describe the juiciness that exists. Vagina is very clinical. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Vulva just describes the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yoni is a Sanskrit word, and it's it's wonderful. It means like sacred space, and that's that's beautiful. But I feel like it takes out like the humanity of the fuck. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yes. and it's like it, it almost feels like you can't fuck a yoni. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, but you can, can pet it. <laughs> right. Right. You know, you can breathe on it gently. But with a <laughs> pussy, you can stroke a pussy. You can fuck it. You can make love to it. You can suck yes. on it. You can feel it like the way the word pussy just comes out like it comes out wet. Oh, <laughs> you know. Yoni oh. is difficult. Vagina. It's got, it's got all these consonants in it. Vulva. Pussy. Pussy. Yeah. Just like it resonates in the body. Like I have to tell you. So I've been using it for a few years and I've never, Maisha, heard anyone say it as good as you. Well, thank you. I'm going to re-listen to this episode over and over again just so I can hear you go, pussy. Well, I, I will say this. If it, one of the, it's funny now. Grace Jones was in a movie called Boomerang, and in one of the scenes when she was with Eddie Murphy, she's just talking about the essence of sex. She takes off her underwear and she's having them smell it. I can in another see scene, it. She's just saying "pussy, pussy, pussy," and watching the movie at the time, I'm just like, I'm cracking up because this is Grace Jones, and she's ad libbing. Come to find out later, oh, why but- is she? Yeah, but when I watch it now, I'm just like, yes, pussy, pussy. Like the way she says it, my God. Oh, oh my God. I have not thought of that movie in so long. And now that you just said it, it's like, yes, I can see her with the underwear and Eddie Murphy. And it was so good, pussy. And do you all feel that? Do you feel the difference in this juicy word and allowing yourself to be a juicy woman as opposed to the clinical or thinking of your pussy as anything but delicious. Mm. Delicious. Delicious. (laughs) So I don't even have to ask you why the pussy is so powerful because you just explained it, but let's, let's get into that because pussy is powerful Mm. and the reason we're uncomfortable saying it, the reason that 
Simonivas got the message that sex was not okay, that masturbation was not okay, is that for I don't know how many generations, people didn't want women to have our power. Not at all. Not at all. And, you know, so I think of I think of the story of Helen of Troy or Cleopatra. Right. As as examples in history of why people did not want women to have their power, because when you find a woman who is completely connected to her pussy, the way she rules, Mm. the way she stands in her power, the way she says yes to everything that she wants and no to what she doesn't. Mm. can be frightening for some people, and not just men, but other women too, who are afraid to be in that space. Mm. And so it is easier, instead of saying, I can be that powerful, it's easier to say, we shouldn't have any of that at all. Mm-hmm. And, and understanding how the shadow side of that power can be manipulative, Right. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it can be twisted to you to be used to get people to do things we, because we are that powerful. And so instead of teaching women how to harness that and how to work with it and um, and just and utilize that in a way that that elevates, it's like, well, let's just let's just take it away altogether. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we're so afraid that if woman steps into her power what's going to happen, right? And and this is a product of the patriarchy. I mean, let's call it what it is. It's a product of the white male-dominated patriarchy that has been in power worldwide for hundreds or thousands of years. And it's like, well, what would happen if woman was really in her power? Maybe maybe they would find out we don't need them as much as they want us to need them. Or maybe we wouldn't have wanted to get into marriage contracts where we were owned property Maybe we wouldn't have wanted to have their children. I mean, all these things might have happened if we had actually been in our power. And so as you talk about it, each one of us can really sit with how powerful will I be when I actually allow myself to see my sex as sacred? Uh Absolutely. So for a woman who's listening to this and she's like, okay, but I I want it, but... it's just too foreign out there for me to even think about <laughs> seeing sex as sacred. Where do we even begin? I recommend she don't do it yet. Your, your brain can't, it, it can't understand what can't, what it, what it just can't understand. Right. Mm. And so don't, don't think of it as sex. Start with your body. You know, it's easier to see the body as a temple. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm, Let's take the word mm -hmm. sacred out. Maybe that feels like too much, too close to religion, too close to, you know, whatever that is. (laughs) So let's just let's let's go with the body as a temple, Mm. you know, and if you're interested in in treating it in a healthy manner, well, then how can you make your sex healthier for you? How can you make it more enjoyable for you? Look at it from from a way that the brain can kind of break it down and and kind of slip in the back door with it. The back door. The back door. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other podcast. That was good, girl. (laughs) I love this. Start with the body. Right. We can all honor that we want our body to be healthy. 
And why would we have a pussy or whatever you out there want to call it if she wasn't intended to be part of your body to also keep healthy? Now, you said that it's really just the last four years for you. And here you are now. I mean, you run a sensual energy coven. You have membership in this. This is what you teach. And so that's incredible. We're going to get into what you teach. But can you share your story of how did you become all of a sudden this like, I'm like (laughs) melting over here in your wisdom and your expertise? Yeah, so it's it's funny because it's uh, it's it's very similar in some ways to your story. It's it, and I think this is the same story for so many women. So I I found my clitoris at probably seven or eight years old, I think, and I remember rubbing up against my stuffed animals <laughs> yeah. in the bed, like gyrating against it because it felt so good. Mm-hmm. I remember playing with my Barbie dolls, and um, you know there was one Ken doll. I should have known I was polyamorous then. There was one Ken doll. And there were all the Barbies. And sometimes the, the Barbies would have sex with Ken. And sometimes the Barbies would have sex with each other. Yes, girl. <laughs> right? And so... Now you're speaking my language. Yes, I was doing that at eight, nine, ten years old. The dolls would be involved in these sexual experiences. And, you know, I did watch some 80s, you know, horror movies. And, but I, I found it fascinating. Right? And I loved the sex part of it. To me, there was never any shame attached to that, thankfully. But the messages that I got about what good girls don't do Mm, or what mm -hmm. good girls do, that started to become part of, of the way I saw myself. So even though there was a part of me that was sexually explorative, I had my first kiss at nine, you know. um, You go, girl. and, And I personally didn't think anything of it. But again, good girls don't do these things. Mm -hmm. And so it took me some time to unravel that and then getting into a marriage, which was not very healthy for either one of us. Mm. And realizing that there was so much more to me getting caught up in motherhood. Mm -hmm. You know, I am not a woman. I am a mother. And as a mother, I'm not supposed to do blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm not supposed to dress Blah, 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 blah. And or want. Right, or, or want. Yes, my children want. I don't want. Mm-hmm. After leaving that marriage and, and taking time to just decompress, and it was like, hold on. I needed to remember, re-remember who I was. And now I was doing that a bit older. So now whatever it is that good girls do or don't do, I no longer gave a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it took me, it took me some time. There's still pieces. There's always unraveling to be done around this, you know? Um, But I'm I'm at the place now where I'm like, I'm just going to continue to unravel. And either you're here to witness it, be a part of it, or turn the other way and, and be about your business. This is really, it's, it's, this is really who I've always been. Mm-hmm. It's just that society tried to tell me to be someone different. Right. Right. Of course. I love this. So it's like, this is really, your Barbie example is perfect. (laughs) This is who you are. And then like society puts some, cover it up, girl, right? Like put that, put a coat over that, put a blanket over that, you know, no one wants to see that. And well-meaning people who might've been trying to help in the world or who just didn't know themselves, they themselves had. And I think that that's it. And what you're talking about, this beautiful, like, 
it is an evolution. It does continue this unraveling and this learning and this uncovering. And I can feel in you like, oh, this is who she is. Like full on. You know, you're making me think of a couple of things, Maisha. My Barbies were married to one Ken. <laughs> Not all. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me repeat that. One Barbie, one Ken. Uh-huh. But in the bed right next to the Barbies at night and whenever I could, I'm having these other fantasies. Mm. I had one fantasy that I I was an executive in the city. I had like this chopped hair. I had one of those long cigarette situations. Like, And I'm probably 10 at the time, right? And there would be a lot in my fantasy, a line of young men waiting to pleasure me. Yes. <laughs> yes. And when I would go to work, I would tie one up with handcuffs. I don't know where a 10 or a 12 year old comes up with this, but this is what I, I would fantasize about. And when I was done with him, he was out and I go to the next one in line. Now, wasn't it interesting that I'm playing with Barbies where they're in a monogamous, married, mm. vanilla life. And five steps away in the bed, I'm having this other, this other idea. And it must have been that I somehow knew that this is, this is like, I don't know, shameful, but not okay. I, I'd have to come out. You're just making me think of it now. So I need to really like sit in it. But how interesting that some part of me knew we need to keep that private and quiet. But this other thing of one Ken and one Barbie, that's what's supposed to be forever. Yeah, and that's that's when people talk about shadow work, right? It, that it's really the integration of those parts of you, the part of you that wants to tie someone up and have that line of of men who are pleasing you, and mm -hmm. this other experience of the monogamous relationship. And how do you bring that together? And it doesn't. Maybe it does look like you're married and you still got a line of men pleasing you. Maybe it looks like you've got a line of men pleasing you and you marry one of them. Maybe mm -hmm. it looks like you. Just just bring the energy of that fantasy into your relationship. Mm -hmm. There are so many ways to do that, but it's really the integration of that because we do get split into these parts. The part of us that knows who we are and what we want, the lessons maybe that we brought from a past life, and then it's who we're supposed to be here. And sometimes they don't match. Right. Right, right. And I think part of our life's purpose, part of why we're here is to resolve that and become true to ourselves. Like our soul came here and I, I've often thought, okay, God, not anymore. I used to think, okay, God, why did you put me with this family <laughs> where I would be so whack and I would be so out there and so different. And I've now come to realize that my soul had to have a family that wouldn't talk about these things because that was part of my soul's journey Yes, was to go through that experience. And I grew up in a wonderful family. It's nothing, nothing wrong with it. But part of it is the unraveling. That's part of my soul's journey and why I came here at this time to step more and more and more into my truth. Yes. And so it's okay if this has been a longing for you and you haven't had it and you even have some shame or some shadow around it. Beautiful. Mazel tov. Congratulations, sister. You're in the right place, right? It's how it begins. It begins when you start yes. feeling it. Yes. So you brought up something so interesting. And you're in New York, right? I Is am. Is there like construction around? Absolutely. 
Love it. It's Love every York. bit of it. New York City. I want. I think I heard an ambulance or something before. I'm like, oh, it's getting hot. The fire truck's coming. You know, it's so perfect. So you mentioned being a mom and I'm a new mom. And there are plenty of messages about who we're supposed to be and not be as a mom. And in fact, when I was pregnant, I put on one of my leather dresses. I couldn't zip it up, but that's okay. And I took this picture of myself in this hot, sexy leather dress in front of the crib and wrote a post about how I want to be a sexy mom. And most people loved it. Yeah, woman, that's so inspiring. I want to be like that too. Yes, yes, yes. And then a couple of women Mm -hmm. posted that I didn't know what I was talking about. Moms don't care about sex. They don't care about being sexy. They don't want it. And I'll see once I've got the spit up all over me, I'll like see what that's all about. And one of the things I was super clear about in my post was I want to be sexy for me, not for my husband. Like I enjoy (laughs) feeling this way. Yes. And God bless everybody, but they could not be more wrong. I mean, I'm sitting here in front of you in my leathers, right? My boobies are hanging out, like all of it. And I've got a nine month old, but this is something culturally we talk about. You're talking about sacred sexuality. We've heard that motherhood is sacred. Yes. And therefore is not to be a sexual person. Yes. Motherhood cannot be confused with sex. And I think this is left over from, I, 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 I say this with all seriousness. I'm so blessed that I was not raised in a church. There's still this idea of the Madonna whore syndrome that still attacks women where it's like you can be sexy and sensual up until you're married. And then once you're married, you must act like a wife and then you must put all of those things away that got Mm. that man there to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then once you become a mother, you can't really be sexy at all because that's just completely inappropriate, even though that's how the baby got here. So it it becomes this other thing that you do to procreate, but not something that you can be. Your children can't see you being sexy. Well, they might want to run out and have sex if they do that or some Mm. such bullshit nonsense. But Mm -hmm. yes, there's this idea that once you're a mom, because I had it. And I, I mm-hmm. see some of you like, I wish, you know, I could go back and like take those pictures sometimes or do those types of things. But I was so like, no, I can't. The kids, you know, I am a mom. Fortunately, I've, you know, I've done my work on this before becoming a mom. I didn't become a mom till 45, right? So like I've had a lot of life behind me and I want all of you out there your moms or you want to be a mom or whatever your situation is, I want you to hear Maisha loud and clear on this, that sex and motherhood are okay to go together. Yes. I don't want that to get misconstrued. <laughs> Wait, can you understand the irony of that sex and motherhood? Because you can't be one without the other. Right. <laughs> Even though I had an IVF baby, but still. <laughs> sex is a merging of two yes. things. Yes. Yes. You know, what's interesting. I'm going to share something I've never shared. Right before Josh went to give his sperm, donate, it was not, it's not donate. Yeah. Ejaculate in a cup so that we could have a baby, whatever. I don't know what that process is called, but right before that, it was important to me that we were sexual. He wasn't allowed to ejaculate for I think 48 hours beforehand. But I remember we showed up at the hospital and I brought him into a little side bathroom. And I remember just stroking his cock a little bit 
giving him a little kiss and then saying, okay, go. It's interesting, I think, because I wanted it to be that this is part. Yes. This is where our baby came from. Yes. I think that's so beautiful. I've never shared that. (laughs) And and I hope I hope that women who do do procedures like IVF or even adoption do that because there's an energy of connection that Mm. happens when you're being sexual and sensual with your partner, even if the creation is not coming directly through you at that time. Mm -hmm. That 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 energy just it it it, that energy flowed into his sperm. You know what I mean? Like his love for you, the neural the neurochemicals, all of that was in what went into that cup that went into the baby. Oh my God, I love you. You Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So I hope more people do that, do that type of thing. It forms a connection and the same thing if you're adopting, because again, the oxytocin is the, is the bonding hormone. So when you're with your partner and you're bonding, that is released through a woman, through our glands, into our breasts, into our ovaries. Now you're going to get this baby. There's a bond that's now happening versus you coming in cold. Yes. Talk about another podcast and and something I am really interested in doing. What I notice about the IVF process, and I don't know how much you know about it, Maisha, the feminine is totally taken out of it. It is so clinical and it is so full of stress, right? Of course, it's a bunch of people who, who desperately want something that they're not having. The fun has been taken out of sex because it's like, we need to have sex at two o'clock on a Tuesday, right? So the feminine and the sex has been taken out of it. And I am convinced that if we brought more feminine and we brought more sex into the IVF process, we would see better results. Total side note process, something I want to do and like create some studies and do some work around. Okay. So how, how do we then as mothers start to integrate this and become comfortable in our sex because we've been told Virgin Mary, we're not supposed to, et cetera. Yeah. It's so funny. I was talking about this last night and, um, one of the things that I think is important is, you know, we talk about self-care, but what is that really, <laughs> you know, and it's become like a new buzzword, but what does it really mean? And so let's, let's look at the realities of it. So I had, I've raised five children, um, my daughter from my husband's previous marriage, and then I birthed four. At one time they were 15, six, five, two, and an infant. Oh, bless you, woman. <laughs> And so, you know, I'm not taking a 20 minute bath. Like, let's just be clear. (laughs) Going to the bathroom just by itself is a whole experience because someone's right there. (laughs) Right. Right. Right there. And, And so I encourage mothers to maybe it doesn't have to be that serious. If you have means and can and have someone who can watch your child, absolutely take your baths, get your nails done, do all of those types of things. If you are raising your child, you know, solo, if you don't have those type of means, then nap time, quiet time becomes the time. That is not the time to do the dishes. It is not the time to do the laundry because Mm. no matter how much you do dishes and laundry, they're still going to be there anyway. That's right. But that (laughs) is the time for you to do something that makes you feel filled up inside, whether it is a self-pleasure session where you're going for the orgasm, reading a book, 
the flowers that you have, a five minute bath. Sometimes it's just five minutes, but anything that you can do to put you in the state of feeling sensual and sexy, get yourself some scented candles, buy yourself lingerie for you, for Mm -hmm. you. Even if you've Mm got to go to Walmart and get some frilly lacy shit that they've got, you know, Amen. but you do these things because it begins to shift your mindset. And when your mindset begins to shift, other things in your life start to change. It's a process. It can be slow, yes. but it will shift and change. Do the small things, small things. Yeah, so good. And I, I love how you started with like self-care. You know, it's like we're told to do it. And it's it's most people would say, okay, well, I get a manicure. It's like, no, this is so much bigger than a manicure. We're talking about really like knowing yourself and honoring yourself. And I'll tell you, I've bought some great laundry on Amazon for $19. Oh, hello. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to take a lot. And it, as you said, it's, it's for us. Now, I know one of the areas that you work in is trauma and shame. Absolutely. How do we flip that? Mm. So that requires some nervous system work. It requires being ready. And and I say this in all fullness, it requires being ready to shift the perception of events that may have happened in one's life. At the age of 11, I had twice in the sixth grade, two different incidences where classmates tried to rape me. When I was 17 in high school, same thing. And and if not for people walking in, he was he was bigger and stronger than me. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I did end up experiencing an incident where I felt like if I did not have sex with this person, I was going to die. Right. And so did that. I could I could take those experiences. And I could talk about all of the ways in which I have been traumatized by them. Mm-hmm. And I would have a lot of support for that. Oh, yeah. We all get it. I could take those experiences and see how in my life's journey, they led me to the point where I could assist other women in unraveling theirs. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I can, and I can see how... My energy did not cause these things to happen, right? It's not my fault, the things that happened, but that because of the trajectory of my life, some of these things were part of the process for the becoming of me Mm. and understanding that trauma exists for everyone. For some people, trauma was being a latchkey kid. Mm. For some people, trauma was being picked last every time there was a sports event. Mm-hmm. Right? Trauma mm-hmm. doesn't have to be that you, you know, these these huge things that we think they are. Trauma is is what we assign to what happened. Because I could go through something, you can go through something, I feel devastated, you brush it off. Yeah. Right? And so it's, it's helping women to understand what is the meaning that you desire to give to the experience that you had. Let's work on that. Yes. Yes. 
What is the meaning that you desire to give to the experience that you had? That is so powerful. Yes. It's really how we shift our pain into purpose is what I often talk about. I love that. Yeah. Right. It's like we have a choice. Yes. And it doesn't mean that you aren't entitled to cry and scream and rage and eat lots of Ben and Jerry's, you know, lots of potato chips. (laughs) Absolutely. For for the trauma you are. And I love your definition of trauma, Maisha, because we often can think of trauma as quote unquote big T, right? It's rape, it's divorce, it's, you know, something like that. And I agree, not being picked. Like one of my clients, when she was 12, none of the other little girls wanted her at their, their lunch table. That is hugely traumatic. Absolutely. Uh, that makes a scar. Yes. And then what do we do with it, right? Right. What's the meaning, as you say, that we want to put on it? Can we use that as like our pivot point for growth? Can we use that as our pivot point to show how strong and courageous we are as what we can teach other women or other people? Like this is huge. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just sitting uh, to say, I, I just, I just feel <laughs> just feel chills. <laughs> it's so good. It's all, I'm like, where's this woman been my whole life? <laughs> because I, I could talk to you seriously forever. Yeah. The work you're doing is so important. And you teach this in classes. You have a membership, I know. I do. I have a, I have a class coming up on, on lingam worship. So I'm very excited. Lingam worship. People might not know what a lingam is. Let's check. I'm going I'm to tell them. So lingam, <laughs> I'm going to tell them. Lingam is the, uh, is the Sanskrit word. It's the accompanying word to yoni, right? So lingam is wand of light. And for the purposes of, of fellatio, dick sucking, oral sex, all that beautifulness, I choose to use the word lingam because we forget the masculine sometimes. And what we're seeing in this world is a very shadow aspect of masculine power. This Mm -hmm. is not true masculinity. This is, this is petulant toddler behavior of notice me, look at me. I feel unloved and it needs to be worked through. And that is the responsibility of folks to work through that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for my part, I, well, first of all, I love oral sex. <laughs> I Amen, love sister. It. Speak I it. love it. And when I've worked with men, they would often tell me when I would do um, lingam massage, they would tell me that their penis was never touched. Hmm. Never touched. And then I, I really thought about it as little boys. And this is, this is part of why we've got some of these issues with with men as little boys up until maybe the age of four or five you're allowed to hug your mom and be all like that and then somewhere someone tells you you can't do those things anymore Mm -hmm. you can't hug her you can't really touch her she's definitely not wiping you anymore Mm -hmm. right then you get to be about 12 or 13 or 14 and you get the same shame message right it's like yeah you got this testosterone but don't you touch yourself Right. Mm -hmm, And so you, mm -hmm. he can't touch himself either. And then he gets into a relationship with a woman who's been taught that this is this ucky, nasty, yucky (laughs) thing. Right. Because she doesn't know her body and all he knows now is porn. And so she's over there with her mouth on it. Like, I just want to do this and get it all the way. (laughs) (laughs) And so. Is it over yet? Is it over yet? (laughs) Yeah. And they feel that. 
Men feel mm. that, you know, they can tell the difference between a blowjob and someone who actually cares about their penis. Mm. And, and so for my part, and, and it's, and for my part, I want to show women how not only is this a beautiful gift that doesn't mm. need to just happen on steak and BJ day or his birthday mm. or Christmas. <laughs> Did you say steak and BJ day? It's a thing. Uh, February 14th. Uh, no, March 14th. It's a thing. Oh my God. Yeah, there are memes that go around about it. Cook him a steak and give him a blowjob. Did not know. Okay. But that, my husband's can, a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> but that this can be a powerful transmission from mm. a woman to her partner mm. by mm. honoring his lingam in this way, his penis in this way, that it can be the most powerful experience for her as well to be able to to hold him in her hand and, and, and to see how just doing that, to see how he reacts to her and for her to see just how important she may be to him, just how much he does love and care for her because she's touching him in this way and he's just, he's gonna melt. Mm. He's gonna melt because they do. You know, so it's the class is a it's a beautiful it's not just about like techniques, because please, you can you can go anywhere and find out how to just like put it in your mouth and go up and down. Mm -hmm. But It's really (laughs) it's it's there's there's so much more to that. And I will teach some of those things. But there's so much more to that. There are hand techniques. There are there. And and if and if you're not interested in the mouth part, there are ways to work the hands to do things like Mm -hmm. there's so much to it. And it's what I'm hearing is you're also going to teach women how to remove some of their own shame around it, their own issues, and come into a place of love and honor and generosity. That sounds like so beautiful. And to do this for them, like not just for them, but to do this for the woman. For her. Oh, it's incredible. Incredible. So... I know everyone's going to want to know where to find you because you're so freaking amazing. <laughs> and so where do we find you? And of course, we have it in the show notes, but tell everybody in case yes. they want to run there right now. <laughs> the website is www.sensual, like how everyone is listening to this, energyalchemy.com. You can mm. also find me on Facebook, Instagram, under sensualenergyalchemy.com. I'm even on TikTok. No, I haven't put any videos up lately. Me? Uh, I haven't done any. And now ever, everyone's like, you've got to do TikTok. And they need someone to sit with me in a lesson. Yeah. yeah, but, okay, yeah. We're going to find you in all the places. It's all the places. All, all the places, all listed on the show notes. And I know everyone's going to like run to find you because you're... I have learned so much and I've opened up to you, Maisha. You're not the first sensuality expert I've had on my show. And I've opened up to you with several things that I haven't opened up to anyone. I'm so honored. It just speaks to your power, woman. Your Thank power. You. Thank you. So, Maisha, I do this thing with my guests at the end of every show called a purpose power play round. And it's like random questions and whatever's the first thing that comes to your mind is the right answer. Are you down for playing? Absolutely. I love a good game. All right. All right. All right. All right. So what did you call the pussy when you were a young girl? Tutu. Tutu? Like the thing a ballerina wears. Get out. That's the name my mother gave me. Oh, my goddess. Yeah. And I took ballet, too. So imagine my confusion. Right. <laughs> like, I don't understand here. <laughs> wow. That's and what she called it. 
She called it a tutu. Yeah. And yes. no shame to mama, right? Like this no. is, everyone's doing the best that the best yes. that they can. Yeah. yeah. So what's like a sensual or sexual fantasy that you fulfilled that you always wanted? Having sex outdoors during the daytime. Oh, ooh, you're from, ooh, you, you're, ooh. you've lived in New York City. I used to. Yeah. Where? Chelsea area. Are you familiar with Chelsea 23rd Street? Of course. Street? Yeah. yeah. Literally. Like right on the street? Well, in the downstairs, like some of the buildings, like, you know, there's like an alleyway you go down with a super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're so cool. During lunchtime. I, I'm so into you. You're so cool. <laughs> so Josh and I did that a year into our dating. Uh, we had sex outside. We went to, for our one year dating anniversary, we went to Sonoma. And we mm-hmm, we got a bottle of wine. We went to these wineries, blah, blah, blah. We got a bottle of wine. We sat outside. We decided, oh, this is, yeah, okay, we're hot and heavy. So we found a little place outside at the winery and we had sex outside. And do you know what mama over here got? I got poison ivy. I got poison ivy on my pussy and my ass. Oh my God. No joke. Poison oh, ivy on my pussy. Wow. That was me having sex outside. See, I'm telling you things I've never told anybody. This episode, y'all are getting like a lot from me here, okay? Yes. And then I'm talking to my mom and I tell her I have poison ivy on my ass. And she's like, oh, were you? I told her something like I sat down in a short skirt or something. And like, all right, mom, now you know the truth. This is what happened. Okay. There we go. I love it. Is there a sacred sexuality book? that people should read until yours comes out. <laughs> Everyone keeps saying that. I'm like, what? So thank you for being like the 11th or 12th person to suggest that. Maybe we're uh, on to something here. <laughs> I guess so. The book I always recommend to people uh, because I just feel like it's such an easy read is a book uh, called Urban Tantra by Barbara mm. Corellis. Um, it's just, she really, she breaks it down. She, she's, she lives in New York city and she really just talks about it from just all angles and levels and without like the, um, the, the, a whole lot of scientific stuff or religious piece, you know, Tantra isn't a religion, but it's a lot of spiritual stuff Mm -hmm. in it. And I've got, Mm -hmm. I've got some heavy books on that, but just in the way of like, here's, here's how you can make sex more sacred. Here's how you can just do some things with your partner. So mm-hmm. Urban Tantra mm-hmm. is Urban to me, Tantra. the best book. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. And what's one thing we can all, like a dream you have for the next five, 10 years that we can support you on? <gasps> a dream I have. Oh, to take my children to the Caribbean. Oh. Mm. That is, that is the, four of them have yet to be on an airplane and I just... I really want to take them somewhere out of this country where it's just sand and water and oh yeah yeah they've never oh. had that experience so that's that's a dream of mine it's a huge dream of mine well let's all buy your courses and then mama's <laughs> going to take her four babies who are not babies anymore to <laughs> to the Caribbean it's going to be delicious delicious all right last question love what is one thing you want every woman to know first thing that came to my mind is that she is beautiful and it has nothing to do with her face just Mm. just the presence being here on this planet takes a it it takes a lot to get someone here you know this 
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I keep telling people, do you know what it takes for a sperm to get into an egg for it to stick, for it to grow, for it to then come out of a woman's body still alive and then grow into a human being who is now the person listening to this podcast? Sometimes we take that for granted and we don't understand yes. that our presence here is as unique as our fingerprint. Yes. There's nobody else on this earth who carries that fingerprint or that energetic signature. And so for everyone who's listening, you are beautiful and unique. No one is like you on this planet. Ah! (laughs) What she said. Yes. What she said. Yes. I have to send you... I wrote a book proposal a couple of years ago. It was rejected by a million people, whatevs. But um, the <laughs> I, part of what I wrote in there was about this uniqueness. And there is a Harvard-trained doctor, Ali Benazar, who, who did like a calculation. It's like one in 400 trillion chance of us being alive because of the difficulty of that sperm meeting yes. that egg and how many sperm start in, uh, you know, in, in, in all the semen that the count is so high and then yes. for the egg and that it didn't miscarry and like all these things. And yes. so I just got chills as you were talking about our uniqueness and please everyone out there like hear Devi Maisha on this, that you are unique and special and beautiful. Yes. Well, I seriously could talk to you Every day of my life. In fact, I hope that we do. This has been <laughs> we need to wonderful. like exchange our phone numbers because I freaking love you, sister goddess. Oh, you. Everyone, please go follow her in all the places. We have her links in the show notes. And I know you're going to want to sign up for her courses because she also has a membership, Essential Energy Coven. She also has a journey for women. I think it's called Vixen, right? That is yes. all about like, right, truth and, and your shadow work and erotic play. And so yes. you're going to, obviously she's amazing at teaching this and it's going to help all of us be juicy. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Maisha, for being on the Purpose Girl podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been such an honor. I, I really, oh, this has been such a great conversation. I, like it juiced, it, I'm so juiced up. Uh, I'm hungry too, now. I'm, so... <laughs> I'm going to go <laughs> eat too. like I'm so hungry. <laughs> It's like sex. It's verbal sex. Oh, this was verbal sex. Oh my goddess. This was verbal sex. Yes. This is so good. So good. Thank you so much. You're the best. And to all of you out there, thank you for listening to this episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast. If you loved it as much as we did, and I know you did, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Leave your five-star review right now. It literally takes you one minute to... Let women all over the world know that they must listen to the Purpose Girl podcast. Of course, if you are not yet in the Purpose Girls Facebook group, what are you waiting for? We are almost 4,000 women strong. I leave a prompt there every day. I do a live teaching there every single week. So good. And make sure you're getting my newsletter over on PurposeGirl.com. Totally free. And every week I drop you hints, tips, and tricks to live your purpose and happiest life. And of course, my love, all of this is how we change the world one woman at a time. With that, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.